0: Begin with faith, but uh, faith leads us to understanding. So we want our faith to lead us to understanding. That, not that it's empty, uh, but that it is a vibrant and um, reasonable. To say, yeah, it's reasonable that I that I believe this. We also said that all arguments at the point of ultimate authority are circular. So a lot of times people will say, well, that's a circular argument to say, I believe the Bible is God's word because the Bible says the Bible is God's word. Well, if we get to an ultimate, whatever our ultimate authority is, if it's your own reasoning, if it's your own ability to comprehend something, it's going to be circular because you're going to say, why do you believe this? Well, because in my reasoning, I've looked at X, the evidence that I see, and I've come to this conclusion. Well, it's no less circular. The difference is ultimate authority. Your ultimate authority is yourself. So, so for a believer, our ultimate authority is the Word of God. So we should, there's things we should expect to see as we work our way through. And there's ten sections of Scripture we're going to look at probably in the next two weeks. Maybe three. depends on how long. i got three whole chapters in just one of them. So, so, but as we work our way through, I want us to see what it is that the Word... What is the Bible claiming for itself? So before we throw that out, right? We we, we want to say, well, what's the Bible say about it? So what is the Bible claiming? What is the Bible saying? We touched on some of those things quickly uh, last week. We're going to look in depth at ten specific scriptures or sections of scripture that illuminate the idea of revelation. When we talk about revelation, we're talking basically about two things: general revelation, which is that God has shown Himself to all men. Uh, That's general revelation. There's not enough in general. I don't believe there's enough in general revelation for someone to be saved. That takes special revelation. In other words, I can know there is a God. And maybe I can understand that I'm separated from Him. But the ability to be reconciled to God requires God talking to me. And the general revelation, where did that come from? Where does all revelation start? Does it start with me or does it start with God? God. God. So, so general. So, the, our ability to know God—we talked about this last time. Our ability to know God depends on Him revealing Himself to us. Otherwise, we would run through this world totally with blinders on. But because God, in His creation, we see design, we see order, we see beauty, we see things we can't understand. How 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 did these things just occur? All of those are pointing to the glory of god so we have scripture that speaks of god's revelation both general in creation and special that he has specifically told us that there is a name under heaven by which all men must be saved right so except for the name of jesus where you you're not in jesus is the way right the one and only way the way the truth in the life, no man comes to the Father except by Him. So so that is an example of God's special revelation in salvation that He lays out for us. We're also going to talk about illumination, the things that God shows us, reveals to us. How is it that we come to understand the Word of God? Uh, Don uh, alluded to it a little bit earlier, right? When How do we come to know the Word of God? Well, we read it, and we're going to use our reasoning and our intellect, but what else do we need? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit right? The Holy Spirit's going to... Help us learn, open uh, the eyes of our understanding and our comprehension as we look at it. It's kind of an idea of illumination. Okay? And then, so we got revelation, illumination, we got inspiration, God breathing, God moving through men to bring his word to us. So these next 10 sections of Scripture are going to deal with a variety of aspects on that. And I want us to be able to discuss them. So if you have questions about them or Or comments about them, feel free. We're gonna go through the first one is Psalm 19, one through six. So, feel free to put it to open it up in your Bible because I printed the ESV. You might have King James, NIV. It's all good, but it's you may want to see it uh, in your own in in, in your own translation to to get it. So, Psalm 19, one through six. What's the point that God speaks through creation? That just when we look at a beautiful sunset, sunrise, when we see the glory of the heavens, it's God speaking to us. Not using words, but it's God revealing Himself to us. It's a picture of general revelation. And the idea is, I I want us to stay away from the idea that God's general revelation is not clear. Because in God's general revelation, when we look at Romans 1, 2, and 3... God says it's clear enough to condemn the world. So, that man is not condemned because he doesn't worship a God he doesn't know. Man is condemned because he doesn't worship the God he knows exists. There's a difference, and that knowledge comes through general revelation. But we'll talk about that when we get to Romans. So, Psalm 19. First one, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So again, we're looking at poetry, right? So this is going to use poetic language. What's the point that he's telling us? I like to see it as the fingerprints of God. We can see the fingerprints of God in creation, in the heavens, in the study of the planets, in uh, animal husbandry i don't know whatever things you're into in this world that the heavens declare god's glory that the sky proclaims his handiwork says it's like written in the sky is god was here Uh, one of the best ways i've heard it explained and and i've used this uh, illustration before if if we went down on the beach you know you guys all been to the beach, right? I get confused when I've been in Idaho for a long time. Sometimes people ain't seen it. But you walk down a beach, you got waves, and there's a natural pattern that the waves make on the sand, right? Where where you can see a natural pattern of the waves. So if we were walking down the beach and you saw written in the sand, I love you, none of us would think the waves made that. We would look at it and say, Well, that's language that shows design. And we would all understand, as we looked at it, that someone wrote that in the sand. What Psalm 19 is saying is that's what God's written on creation. He shows his handiwork. One of the examples I give beneath this is when we we hear a particular song by a particular artist. Like, it doesn't take me very long to, to pull out Bob Dylan. If Bob Dylan sings, everybody, most people say, that's Bob Dylan. Right, they just they just hear him, they hear it and they say that belongs to him. Well it's the same way it was what Psalm nineteen saying. When we look at creation, we look at the heavens, that says God. God was here, God is is good, God is beautiful. I mean all the different things that we can pull out of creation that it says. Day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. For there is no speech, nor are there words. Uh, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So it gives the example of the sun rising, the sun passing, the, the poetic languages, the sun goes in a tent, it's dark, you know, day, night. Um, it's not intended to be a, a science uh, textbook. It's just speaking like we would speak, right? So he's, he's laying out for us the, the understanding that God is uh, revealed in creation. Uh, whether by day or night, whether you can see it, it's light or dark doesn't matter. God's revealed whether someone's watching or not. You guys have all heard the thing. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there, does it make a sound? I happened to be walking through the forest one time when a tree fell. Now I know that breaks a rule because somebody was in the forest, but uh, it randomly just fell over and I heard it. So, um, But the idea is God is is uh, uh, observable in creation and, And whether or not there's a response. Mankind doesn't necessarily always respond, right? We're going to see that in the next section. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't shown Himself. That He hasn't peeled back the curtain enough for us to know something put all this together. And something put it all together that His glory uh, would be Revealed in and through it all so psalm nineteen one through six is a section of scripture really that uh, starts the concept of God's general revelation in creation that thought is carried to its next ultimate uh, conclusion in Romans one two and three so I thought we'd read the whole section so we can get it all in one bite and we'll back up and focus in on uh, on Romans, uh, one probably primarily. But as we look at Romans uh, chapters one, two, and three, what we are being what we are being shown is the righteousness of God and the condemnation of men. That God is right in the way that He sees men. We're going to move starting in chapter three. Where'd I stop at about twenty? At verse twenty-one, we're going to start moving toward the idea of justification—what God has done uh, to reconcile us to Him. But the first three uh, loosely are sections of Romans that are saying, "Hey, here's what's here's the problem with <coughs> mankind." God's uh, painting the backdrop of the guiltiness. Why why is man guilty? First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be <clears throat> unaware, brother, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and the barbarians to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the Gospel to you also who are in Rome. Uh, Then I highlighted in red, I think this is the section primarily dealing with what we're looking at. For I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the Gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God, or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, Ruthless, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and the forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to His works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking, who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. or even excuse them. Now on that day, when according to the Gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew, and rely on the law and boast in God, and know His will and approve of what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, "...dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision?" He who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Well, much in every way, to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. So what if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, and everyone, uh, and everyone were a liar, as it is written that you may be justified by your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our righteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? Speak with human understanding, in a human way. But by no means, for then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie, God's truth abounds to His glory... Why am I condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, for their condemnation is just. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. substitute by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded by what law? By the law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is He not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow The law by this faith, by no means, on the contrary, we uphold it. So let's discuss that for a minute. Let me just read a few paragraphs, uh, trying to tie together the thoughts, because there's a lot of stuff in Romans 1, 2, and 3, and we're trying to focus in on, on some of that. Romans 1, in what may be Paul's exposition of Psalm 19, the Apostle Paul addresses the question of salvation as it relates to God's general revelation. He first declares his confidence in the Gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Yeah? It's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. That phrase just lets us know to everyone. In Paul's world... In the Jewish mindset, the world was divided in two parts. Jew and everybody else. Sometimes referred to as Jew and Greek or Jew and Gentile. But the idea, Jew and everyone else, and that God's salvation went to the Jew first. God first came to the Jew, but His purpose was always as a light to the Gentiles. We see that throughout the Old Testament Scripture. So the phrase, it's the power of God to salvation to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So in short... The Gospel alone, that is, God's revealed through special revelation. So we have God's general revelation and God's special revelation, both in chapter 1. What's the Gospel? Special revelation. God's Son given to us, right? He came from heaven to earth. He he manifested the glory of God. He, He showed all those things, died, was buried, and rose again. That's all God's special revelation we see in Christ Jesus. That saves us. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. There's no other way for anyone to be saved. The righteousness of of God is revealed from faith to faith, from faith for faith. It all comes through Him. Salvation is by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. So we're all good, right? Paul then follows with an extended demonstration on human sinfulness. The reason for our need uh, of and his great confidence in the good news of Jesus Christ. Why every human being needs salvation. For, we read it in chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short. So we're all separated, right? Even the Jew? That's his emphasis. He's saying, well, what about the Jew? What was the Jew's boast? Oh, we're okay. Why are we okay? Well, we're God's chosen people, right? We're circumcised. So he, he goes into a, a lengthy section on, yeah, your circumcision don't work if you don't keep the law. If you're, What your circumcision should, should show you and what he declares in Romans 1, 2, and 3 is by the law comes the knowledge of sin. Your circumcision should say, I spend every day having to give offering to God, right? Why? because I failed so I need salvation what what, what about the Gentile ah they need salvation all have sinned and are separated all fall short of the glory of God because of sin the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness how much ungodliness is the wrath of God against all of it Okay. how about how much unrighteousness it's the same in the phrase all should be carried through each all ungodliness, all unrighteousness uh, of men I, have a Shoot.
1: I understand sixteen and seventeen you know through the gospel the righteousness of God has been revealed then you get to verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed how is that revealed is it, you, know, you know what I'm saying we know that the gospel of what Jesus Christ did on the cross uh-huh. We get to and it talks about that that's the righteousness of God then in verse 18 it says the raft of God is revealed from heaven how can I word this what so, raft I mean is it as it gets further into verse or into chapter 1 I don't know if that makes sense.
0: So I would say what he's saying in in, in verse 18, and I'd have to look up wrath, but I, my, my memory tells me it's orge. It is orge. So orge is a settled disposition of, of judgment from God. Thumos is a hot, fiery anger. Orge is settled disposition. So it's God's settled judgment. So what he's saying in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed. God's revelation of His wrath comes from heaven to men, all men who are ungodly and unrighteous Uh, and I would say that wrath of God, the judgment of God, the expected judgment of God is revealed both in creation in the fall and the fact that this world seems to be out of order there's there's chaos where there shouldn't be, there's hatred where there shouldn't be, I turn on the news and I think man, what in the world is going on, there's you know just when you think election's over and everybody will settle down into what's going on, no, that ain't the case. No, we're going to continue to... to. So I think that shows that something's wrong. I think understanding specifically that we're under God's wrath comes through God's special revelation as a part of the gospel. So part of the gospel to me is this concept. We are saved from what? God's wrath. God's wrath. So, the gospel being special revelation, I need the gospel to understand salvation, then in the gospel, God has revealed to us. Because we won't find it ourselves, although we may see something's not right. We, we may be able to comprehend in creation that, you know, even, even watching animals tear each other apart. just seems, I don't know about you guys, but somewhere inside of me, I'm not saying it's not ever cool, that's the twisted part of me. But, but it seems weird, right? So it's like, wow, that's just off. And I think that just off is what we can gather, what we can see clearly in general, that is made specific when we see the Gospel, which says, I am saved from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ.
1: Right, and I understand that. Okay. But how is a sinner going to know, see the wrath of God revealed?
0: So you know, if he does sure. have that. So the sinner, the only thing that the sinner is going to see about the wrath of God is what he can see in this twisted world. For example, when someone there, there's still today people who look at, um, oh gosh, do I want to pick something really hard? Should I pick something really easy? People look at the horrible things men do to mankind. In that man should recognize God's judgment of sin. That that is a consequence, a repercussion of sin run wild. Sin run wild, that's the result. And that should show man uh, this is not the way to live. There, There it It won't necessarily bring him to salvation, but it should show him God's wrath remains. God's wrath is on him. And ultimately, the fullness of his understanding, revealing the wrath of God to mankind, has to come from you and I. Has to come from you on the corner, saying unborn lives matter. Why does that matter? Why should I tell that person going into Planned Parenthood that what they're doing is murder? Because I want them to clearly understand they're under the wrath of God. And there's only one way out from under the wrath of God, and that is salvation through right. Jesus Christ. Right. So, so I think there's a sense, and, I, and I'm trying to be careful with my words. So I'm trying to carefully say that the wrath of God is clearly revealed.
2: I think the, the next couple of verses just lay it out for us. Is the idea is he's saying, through his creation, Paul's expanding on that because he knows it's going to be a question instantly when we say right.
0: that. Right, he's going. He's saying God's wrath is on mankind for the suppression of what He knows—the
2: uh, truth. And then he goes on to say, "What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made."
0: Right. So we're right away looking at what God is saying: is man is. Is guilty for what he knows about God and not worshiping the God he knows. Not what man will say, I don't know if there's a God. I don't believe there's a God. You say whatever you want. But God's word says, you know there's a God and you won't, you don't want him.
2: I think Romans 2.15 covers that too, as the idea who shows the works of the law written in their hearts, and their conscience also bearing witness. That's right. the knowledge that God has put in our in us. I think when I think of conscience, I think my soul is the, where I draw. Is the idea is that this is my soul's understanding? I choose not to receive that. For belief.
0: sure, all of us have experienced our conscience telling us I shouldn't do this. Yeah. And God's word says you're going to be judged by your conscience. God says I don't need the law to find you guilty. All God has to stand in front of you and say, "Has your conscience ever told you not to do something?" And you say, it even- uh, "Yeah, it did." Did you do it? Yeah, you're guilty. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that's. I think ultimately that's the way that that God is revealing that. It's the way He's showing it. He's demonstrating. Uh, the sinfulness of mankind and his wrath, which is a right response, a justifiable response, a settled disposition to the sinfulness of mankind. Yeah, I'm hoping it don't fall through. You don't want to know what's up there.
2: I've been up there. I know what's up, yeah, up there. Yeah, it's
0: 7,000 pounds of water. You know? probably. <laughs> no, I'm hoping it just finds a way no, to I think come a, It gets
2: dealt with in, in the first chapter of John 2 in the first couple of verses with his he says in, yeah we're going there too in, in the beginning I don't we we'll with God and the, they go I mean and all, and it goes on and he, he's trying to say we see it it's before us it's just we choose to be ignorant to it which is the idea behind agnostic or or we for sure
0: and what, what God's saying is we're guilty for what we do with the revelation God's given so we're guilty with what we what we do with with what we know, and God is saying, "There, you know enough." He says, "You know God," and then it's not because we told them. Why is it? What's it say? Because God said, so. said. God showed them. They know Him uh, because He says, for, "For what can be known about God is plain to them," because God showed it to them. So this is again that concept of God's general revelation in, in the guiltiness of mankind, just in. Creation, declared in God's Word. Here's what what God is saying about it. So, He says that uh, what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So, God's invisible attributes have been made visible. His eternal power and divine nature are revealed in what He has made ever since the creation of the world down to the present day. Creation and providence reveal God. And John 1, just like what you were talking about, Colossians 1 is another section of Scripture that kind of lays out for us the same thing. The problem is not insufficient revelation. There's enough revelation, and man's guilty for the revelation he has. Um, If we listen to the things Paul says about this wrath of God, describing what we do with what we know about God, he uses these phrases. They suppress the truth. Although they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God nor give thanks to Him. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creepy things. Oh, creeping... (laughs) they exchanged the truth about god for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator people have chosen idolatry serving created beings and created things you have multiple places in in scripture to, to bring that up exodus isaiah jeremiah ezekiel pick almost any prophet you'll find it For this willful ignoring and rebelling against divine revelation, God gave them up, allowing them to go their own way and to experience the consequences of those choices. So what's the manifestation of that defiance? This is what that looks like. People who are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, people who become gossips, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. That's what it looks like pretty much any day out on the street. So we are guilty before a just God. Therefore, he goes on to say, we have no excuse. O man, you who... Uh, every one of you who judges, oh, who judges? Yeah, thank you. Because it bugs me, the snot out of me when somebody says, judge not. And I think, aren't you judging right now? Mm-hmm. Cracks me up. You got that Wednesday. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, I bet you do. Yeah, out at the Planned Parenthood. Yeah, you went by. God love you. Judge not. Yeah. They just shouted out their window so they didn't have to discuss you know, it. she walked by. Oh, she walked by and said... The,
1: the flesh got the better of me. And I said, Judith went out and hung himself. Do the same. <laughs> 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 I was immediately rebuked by my brother there. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I, if we're honest, all of us have been there at some point, frustrated. <laughs> Let the... We've got to keep that monster in a cage, huh? I
1: know. I'm... <laughs> I confessed to the Lord right away.
0: <laughs> well, that's the life, right? We're guilty. So, he says, You who judge and practice, condemn others and practice the same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on, the, on people who do these things, who practice such things. So, to the person, anyone, who presumes to be innocent, To fall outside the indictment of Romans 3.23, Paul issues this correction. We're all guilty. Nobody gets out. We all are under the umbrella of needing salvation. Each of us should see ourselves in the list of human rebellion. We're all in there. General revelation, then, is clear, plain, and bright. God reveals Himself, His eternal power and divine nature, in what He has made. But on our own, none of us recognize Him, or respond in worship, or submit to Him. We're rebels. We have all gone our own way, and we are all in need of salvation. So when perceived and interpreted in the light of special revelation, now we have, plug into that, the Gospel, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. General revelation supplements a fuller knowledge of God and His creation. Now our eyes are open. Now we can see. Illuminated by the Holy Spirit and interpreted by faith, general revelation helps us better understand God, His creation, and His plan of redemption. In a balanced Christian method of doing theology, general and special revelation complement each other. Remember last time, well, for those of you guys who were here last time, one of the things I talked about is a perfect example of the Word of God working in someone's life is when the Word of God is working along with the illumination of the Holy Spirit, right? That we if we don't have the Spirit, we're going we're gonna to come into all kind of crazy ideals. So we need the Spirit, we need the Word, and we need what we know in, of God in our experience and general revelation to provide for us the, f- the complete picture that we can have. As complete a picture as we can have. So that's what Romans 1, 2, and 3 teach. All guilty, all need a Savior. Jesus Christ is that special revelation of God. Not only... The idea to me for special revelation is just pictured in the incarnation, right? God came, walked in our shoes, showed us. I I learned best hand over hand. You can tell me what to do. Like I'd be... The kiss of death if Don said, Okay, Jackie, here's what you need to do to fix your septic tank since I'm having septic tank issues. I'll happily share. And Don said, This is what you need to do. Look... Unless I see it done, the words don't mean nothing to me. Does that make sense to you guys? How's that? The pipe goes where? What do I do with all the stuff in there? Visual guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that part helps me in comprehending the, that revelation. Okay? So we're looking at the Bible. Can we trust the Bible? I want us to understand revelation, general revelation, special revelation, and, and how that lays out. We good? Um, so we'll look at the third one. Hebrews one one and two, probably one of my favorites, and because I just love Hebrews. But Hebrews one one and two tells us that God has spoken in various ways, but now through His Son. So there's a lot of ways that God speaks. <laughs> Stick your your thoughts together; you can come up with a number of ways God has spoken to His people.
2: Can we take that? I always wonder about that verse, though, because as as you established in the beginning, his son was the one doing the speaking the whole time. He just happened to use the prophet. He happened to be the mouthpiece. Sure, that time. sure, sure. And then the whole rest of the New Testament, we get the Gospels. But, but, the,
0: but the idea is that God, the concept is God's not in a box as to how he does it. So ultimately, it may all find its source, and it does all have its source in God, in the Word. In Jesus Christ, ultimately for me, I see it all coming through Christ mm-hmm. to us. But it will come through Christ to the prophet, through Christ to a priest, through Christ to a donkey. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, so it will all have the, that source, but um, but there's a lot of tools he'll use to express that, that and word and to us. He,
2: and what you're implying, what it's saying there is that he directly came the idea not just now because
0: we're, right, we're yeah. in the
2: holy spirit paul's through the spirit getting sure. the word of god he went to the wilderness of damascus he spent but but with the exactly
0: and, and he was taught there by christ he receives his message through the lord and i would say today it's not dissimilar in how the holy spirit works in our hearts and lives how the holy spirit what did what did jesus say the holy spirit will do what He'll bring to mind all the things, right, that that I have taught you. He's going to show you me more clearly. So, so I think along those lines, right? I, I, to me, I think that that it is similar in how God is ultimately uh, revealed in all those different ways.
2: So, would we say that's the explanation? Because I've also always wrestled, I think, about in the Old Testament. Israel became Jacob became Israel because he was wrestling with Christ mm-hmm. and I mean literally wrestling with Christ the prophets as as you brought out tonight actually sat down and and spoke with them or maybe not spoke but they heard from him sure and, and then we get into these times in this dispensation the age of grace and the age of the church it, it's different than it was then because we have the holy spirit i is what the uh, is the normal mm-hmm. argument but the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament. I, so yeah, the you,
0: Holy Spirit is present, and the Holy Spirit is working, but not present like He is now. So the Holy Spirit is present now for us all. He's with you, every believer. So assuming we're all believers, here, which I think I can say safely, yeah. safely, then the Holy Spirit is in us all. But you would be gathered with David and his mighty men, and that wouldn't be true. So, though David's mighty man, and though David himself may have the Spirit, Mm -hmm. um, the mighty man may not. The Holy Spirit would be over or working among the nation of Israel, but not specifically person to person to person like he does today. In Christ, in the church, we have the blessing of, in David's day, they had a temple. Why? What did the temple signify? The temple signified the presence of God. So you went somewhere for the presence of God. Today, what does the Bible tell us is the temple of God. Right. So, the, so, so our bodies are the temple of God. And it's interesting to me, eschatologically, when we look at the study of end times, we know that there's going to be another temple. right? So in our understanding, there's going to be another temple. Why? Because they're going to, right, they're going to be going to a place where the presence of God is. But then when we have a new heaven and a new earth, What's the Bible say? No temple, because God is with his people. We're all there together. The, you know what I mean? So the significance of that idea. So when we look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, yes, he was with the prophets. He spoke through the prophets. But the, the Holy Spirit, was, it was not a guarantee that the Holy Spirit was with you for life. He would empower you for ministry for sure. <clears throat> he would come upon you and you would do these incredible things um, and then that might have been the end of, of your call from God. Your ministry may have been a few years and then you, know, you went back to being a shepherd or a cupbearer or whatever it was that you were prior to that. So the Holy Spirit was still there and still working, but not in the same way He does today. Not with the same power that he does today. Does
2: I don't know. For me, sense? I think it'd be more, more. I I, I may be just on one side of it, but I think about it. If Christ was to show up and go, hey, this is what's going on, and I think the impact that would that would have on everybody at this table, let alone anybody oh, sure. out in the world, would be, I, I think, would be greater in that in that aspect.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, think about what Jesus said to the disciples. He said, "Blessed are you." you believe you've seen me and you believe
2: the, but then he said
0: man. you know how much more blessing for those who have not seen and yet believe so there is yes is there is there would we like that yeah absolutely in fact the single greatest thing i look forward to is the moment i get to stand before jesus Amen. you know that's that's you know it's both uh how did kathy say this the other day Terrifying and exhilarating because man, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, but what an exciting thing to be before our savior so uh, so that part's true and so I think the sometimes the blessing that we don't recognize uh, when we think about that well it'd be it'd be better if God would just come if Jesus would would deliver his word like that it's also the the uh, desire that we have for Him that that in, that I don't have the right words encourages, propels us, compels us in life to keep going forward because we're going to Him. We're moving in His direction. I think that's a powerful motivation, uh, even though we haven't seen Him. A powerful motivation for us moving forward to see that glory uh, revealed. So it says Hebrews. Uh, I want us to see revelation is a process by which God communicates to human beings the knowledge of himself. So we're still developing this idea. Everybody tracking with me okay? Uh, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times, I, I have a hard time reading ESV because I hear it in my head and everything else. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he created the world. So what he's saying, the writer of the letter of Hebrews expressed it this way, long ago, at many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So over a long period of time, from Moses to Malachi, uh, God has spoken through human beings. Some of them wrote books that are part of the canon. We have them in Scripture: Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah. While others did not write books uh, that are a record of God's word, but we know about them—Elijah or Elisha and the things that they did. But either way, God communicated His will to people through the prophets He appointed. So, what's our point? Is we're looking at the word overall? What are we saying? The the desire of God is to communicate to His people through the Word. He did it through the prophets. He does it through His Son. He's doing it through His Word. Sometimes God spoke through visions, dreams. Sometimes with uh, powerful signs, spectacular miracles. Uh, Other times in a quiet voice, like with Elijah in the cave, and even once with a donkey. God's prophets pointed forward in anticipation of the greatest prophet, right? And In Deuteronomy 18, Moses writes, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. So it's going to come from Israel. Uh, It is him you shall listen to. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb in the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear the voice of the Lord my God or see that great fire anymore lest I die. What was it? What were they saying? We need a mediator. We can't just talk to God. So God, remember they said, Moses, you go up to the mountain and come back and tell us what God said. You guys with me? We're at Mount Sinai, the giving of the law. In the beginning, God's, the Bible says God spoke and the people all heard him. And the people freaked out. Like, oh, whoa! Moses, you go talk and we'll wait here. Now, you remember how that worked out?
1: <laughs>
0: Moses is up there for 40 days and when he comes down, what are they doing? Party. Yeah, golden calf. There's all this weirdness going on. <laughs> you know, because that's at the heart of man, right? You're in the shadow of a mountain where you just heard God talk. That's that's how rebellious man's heart tends to be. So anyways, they were looking forward to this prophet, the prophet that would come, the mediator. What does the Bible say? There's one mediator between God and man, the man who Christ Jesus, right? He's the mediator for us. So, they're looking for that. It says in uh, in verse 17, and the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So it's God's Son, the Christ, the Messiah. That's the prophet that he's talking about. There's one way, right? One name under heaven by which we must be saved. So, what is this about God's Son? This this Final revelation in my in, in, in my understanding from God. His final revelation is His Son. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. All the answers we're looking for is in Him. So what is it about Jesus? Jesus is the Word. The last and final Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He, God, appa- appointed as heir of all things. Through him also he created the world. So what else do we know about Jesus? He's the creator of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Hebrews 1.2 tells us, Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He's the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, who upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's a lot of lofty and glorious speech about the Son from the Father. He is, it says in Hebrews 1.3, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. It's all talking about Jesus, uh, the final revelation of God. After making purification for sin, He sat down. What's that imply? It's finished, right? The work is done. He isn't a creature, or inferior to God. He is God. What what does the Bible tell us? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. That phrase, He was speaking of His eternality and it's also speaking uh, the Word was with God, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking of the fact that God was face to face with Himself. So the idea of and the word was with God, that phrase, and the word was with God, means face to face. Is that it? The pros, proskeneu is, that might be, pro, yeah, pros, like worship, to, uh, to, to to look toward. So the idea is, yeah, that, that God was face to face with God. So, again, strong, strong, uh, uh, declaration of the deity of christ um he is the ultimate mediator remember that concept about the people were looking for a mediator uh first timothy 2 5 there's one god and there's one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus so again speaking of the unity of god god is one hero israel the lord your god the lord is unified together one and here, one mediator, <clears throat> Jesus Christ. He's the one who can put his hand in God's hand and the hand in man. The the, the the technical term is the hypostatic union of Christ, which means he is. The simple way of saying that is he's fully God and fully man. Humanity was added to his divinity; didn't take away from it. It was added to it. It's addition, not division. So he's added. Right. So he can, exactly. So he, two, uh, what is it, 5? Uh, five, 5 through 11. So he can put his hand on God and his hand in, in on man. He's the mediator. He finished his work on the cross in anticipation of his return to earth to recreate it, to make it new. I put the first eight verses of Revelation 21 because it does a great job of talking about it. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth passed away, there was no more sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice uh, from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, or crying, or pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated by the throne, or on the throne, said, Behold, I make all things new. Now, it was my favorite line in The Passion. You guys see The Passion of the Christ? So, the movie The Passion of the Christ is very Catholic in its origins. So there's a lot of Catholic doctrine that's not necessarily out of the Bible. But I liked how they interpreted this phrase. So Jesus is carrying the cross on the Via della Rosa, and He's, you know, in, in Catholic tradition, you have the, I, I don't remember, seven stations, I want to say. My, do you remember how many there was? Was there seven? Or nine. Eleven, twelve. Seven, nine, Twelve. Whatever. There's a bunch. And each station, something happened. Jesus fell, or He, he met somebody, and those are all uh, uh, Catholic... Uh, traditions, not necessarily brought forth out of the Word. But in the Passion of the Christ, while he's doing that, while he's walking the Via Della Rosa, there's a scene where he sees his mom. You guys remember? He looks over at his mom, and he says, See, I make all things new. And I love that phrase, because the idea is that when Jesus came, that was his purpose. He sees the culmination of it all in a new heaven and a new earth and a in a redeemed people uh, that he endured the the cross for the joy set before him right seeing the fact that God is able to make all things new to reconcile all things unto himself and uh, so anyways it's just a beautiful picture of that it that verse actually happens in revelation at the end of everything it doesn't happen on the Via della Rosa, but they put it there, I think, to emphasize that point. So, anyways, I like that that emphasizing, uh, if you will, of that part. Um, then it says he sat down at the right hand of Majesty on high, right, which which implies that that God has finished uh, the work. He made uh, purification for sin and sat down so what is the point he was and is and ever will be superior to all everything okay my baby's crying oh i'm sorry but it's a new baby huh? i know oh so people. exciting and
1: he loves me so i'm happy He's crying. oh for me. yeah <laughs> praise god
0: praise god i'm excited that they're adopting a baby so yeah it's god's doing exciting things which has nothing to do with that but anyway it's cool (laughs) don't be sorry it's good Jesus wrote uh, none of the scriptures but he's the subject of it all right when he he said you search the scriptures daily for in them you have life but it is these that speak of me he is the culmination of it all in fact revelation 1910 says this I fell down on my feet to worship Him." he said you must not do that John falling down before an angel I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. What's he say? Worship God. Listen, this is an important part. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's all about Him. All culminates in Him. The point the Word is Jesus. He is the Word of God. He and the Word of God, what's it teaching us? Jesus. He's, it's all about Him. He's all in it, through it, for it, by it, coming to us. He promised the disciples in the upper room, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you, and this is that section I, I alluded to earlier when we were talking with Don, uh, uh, from the Father to the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about what? Me, right? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never points to Himself. The Holy Spirit is never... There's never a, a, a season where the Holy Spirit is moving and glorifying the Holy Spirit. Who The Bible... Everywhere the Bible says the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. does what? Points to Jesus. Glorifies Christ. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit doesn't empower. That, the, that there's not miracles today. That there's not... The gifts of the Spirit aren't active today. I believe all those things are still happening. But the point of them is not to glorify the Spirit. The point of them is not to glorify the doer. The guy who's... Who through whom the Holy Spirit is working. The point is to glorify Jesus. It points to Jesus, right? You guys with me? So, John 15, 26 and 27. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So now, when Jesus is specifically talking to the disciples you get the idea that they are receiving a new revelation from God, right? When you look at the ending of the of the Old Testament, does the Old Testament end all wrapped up, neat, tight little bow? No, it ends with a look for where's the fulfillment of all these things. So when the new covenant spoken of by Jeremiah is established by Jesus Christ, there is the expectation that with that new revelation will also come scripture and who's going to write that the disciples the apostles the ones that god specifically chose through whom god's going to speak we're not going to get to that tonight but we will get to it before we finish these 10 verses and through the holy spirit there will be that illumination so, so it's twofold. He's saying for us, the Holy Spirit's going to guide us and lead us and direct us. But he's saying to the disciples, don't worry, you're not going to forget anything because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to bring it all to your remembrance. So when we come to scripture that says all scripture is inspired of God, it means God's going to make sure everything we need, God wrote down. And that which God wrote down comes to us. So that's that's kind of the point of the Holy Spirit. talking, You guys get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What he's talking about, the Holy Spirit to the disciples. Here's what he's going to do. Because those disciples are going to write some Gospels, right? Right? Those, the guys that are there are, are going to write Gospels. we got John going to write a Gospel. Matthew's going to write a Gospel. Mark, which is going to write a Gospel that comes through whose lips? Peter. Peter, right? And Luke is going to write a Gospel. Who's probably there right now? who's not the 12, but He's in the group. He's in the circle. Because there was more than 12 disciples, right? How many disciples was there really? Well, you remember there's a section of Scripture that says He by sent 20, out the 70?
2: 70
0: is two by two? That's more than 12, right? At one point in the upper room, it says there was 120 right, gathered. So, so anyways, the point is, as Jesus is speaking to them, He's saying, hey, don't worry. When the, when the Spirit of God comes upon you to write, He's gonna you're gonna remember what you need to remember. You guys tracking with me? So anyway, just important things for us to, to to hold on to. He also guaranteed he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything I've said to you in John fourteen twenty six. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now who's Jesus specifically talking to? I'm not saying it doesn't have application to us, but who's he specifically talking to? Disciples, right? Which are going to be the guys writing the books we're reading. So he says, hey, Holy Spirit's going to show you, the Holy Spirit's going to give it to you. You know, He's not going to, he doesn't possess them. When we talk about inspiration, which we won't be able to do today, we're just kind of wrapping up the idea of revelation, But but when we talk about inspiration, we're going to talk, God doesn't change them from being, who they are so in other words when Paul writes he still sounds like Paul make sense when John writes he still sounds like John God's inspiring him giving him the words but through his own personality it's not he doesn't become a robot otherwise it would all look the same the grammar would all be the same it's not God still uses personality and it's the same way he uses personality in preachers right every preacher's not the same the message is the same. The Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit, right? So it should all sound... Yeah, No, God still uses our personality. He still uses the person we are to express what He wants us to express. that makes sense?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, all divine revelation, special, general, is fulfilled and interpreted through Jesus Christ. So I want us to kind of get that. He's the point of all. All revelation... Is the point of all revelation is Jesus Christ. He's it. So sometimes we ask kids in Sunday school questions, and they'll maybe their answer will be, well, I know the answer is Jesus, but I'm not sure how to get there.
1: <laughs>
0: but ultimately that's true, right? The truth is it all points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so we, we'll focus on it. next time we're gonna break the ground of Inspiration. So you see, that's D. The next one, all scripture is inspired of God by God. We're, that's next. So we're, I want to develop, as we work our way through these 10 sections of scripture, just a biblical idea. What, what does the Bible say about itself? And then is that reasonable? Is going to be how we develop moving forward. That, that makes sense for you guys. So you have it. Bill wanted to be able to have it ahead of time. I have provided you an abundance. So you can read ahead. Next time we'll start here. I have no idea how far we'll go. We'll go how far we go when we stop. If we get to the end, we'll stop there. So if you guys read ahead, you can prepare. You know I have a question about this or a question about that. Write it down in the notes because I won't have a new set of notes to print for you. and And I'll give it to you. So let it be written.